This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with Forgiveness is Proclaimed to You, Turning to the Gentiles, Signs and Wonders, We Are Men, and Through Many Tribulations. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordindoors.org or your favorite podcast provider. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your grace. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father.
reading from Deuteronomy chapter 8. The whole commandment I have commanded you today, shall, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he would might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing to you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, and a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land in whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. You shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given me. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The speaker is Moses, the great leader and lawgiver, through whom the Lord God did so much for the people of Israel. And the place where the farewell address was delivered is the barren lands of Moab, near where the Jordan River enters the Dead Sea. Earlier parts of Deuteronomy reveal that the leadership of Israel was passing from Moses, who was about 120 years old at the time, to Joshua, the son of Nun. So conservative scholars typically date the speech to about 1406 BC. That's 40 years after the deliverance of Israel by the Lord God from Pharaoh and the Egyptian charioteers who were drowned so spectacularly in the Red Sea. So Israel has been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and now they are poised to enter the Jordan to take possession of the land. So our passage is either an encouragement or perhaps something of a warning for Israel to consider as they take possession of the land and embark upon a common future together. Now, I've entitled this sermon, A Land Good and Vast, the phrase of which occurs in verse 7 of today's text. The passage may be familiar to you if you go to church on Thanksgiving, for it is the appointed Old Testament text in series A, B, and C of the three-year series for that festival, and also in the one-year series. So Lutheran Christians hear it at least once a year 
what with its emphasis upon the abundance of the land of Israel. The Israelites were moved to thankfulness as they entered this land after 40 years of wandering about in the wilderness, and so we are moved similarly to thankfulness and praise in our thanksgiving services. The passage was, of course, something of a warning to the Israelites and by extension to us that we not be enticed away from our good and gracious Lord Yahweh by his spectacular providential gifts to us. And this was indeed a common problem experienced by the Israelites throughout their long history, just as so many wealthy Americans of today presume upon God's kindliness to us in his first article gifts. The good land, the favorable weather, abundant crops, good government, good friends, a good spouse and children, and all the rest. Americans are tempted to imagine that they have earned all these things by themselves or that they have it coming to them as their due. Not so. God frequently pulls the rug out from under even idolatrous Americans to bring them to repentance and faith. Sometimes this works, but far more often it does not, as we ourselves are witness to in contemporary America. As the Israelites entered the land, they were bidden to look both forwards and backwards. They were urged to remember all the way the Lord Yahweh had led them in the wilderness, to afflict thee, the passage says, and to test thee that all the things in thy heart should be manifest, whether thou didst guard Yahweh's commandments or not. The manna is mentioned in this connection which thy fathers knew not, i.e. the manna had never been experienced before. And so it was outside the Israelites' wheelhouse of knowledge. But Yahweh was doing more than feeding the Israelites in the barren wilderness. He was teaching them, the passage says, to reflect on the fact that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out from the mouth of God. This is what Jesus would say to the devil also at his temptation, to send him flying. And it is still true for the Christian of today, set amid our earthly sojourns. The clothes did not grow old, the sandals did not wear through, the feet did not swell or become painfully hardened, depending on one how, tra how one translates that unusual word. Lo, these 40 years. It was a time of testing that Yahweh might teach the Israelites that he was their God and that they were his children. A father back in, in biblical times chastened his legitimate sons. Indeed, the chastening was a mark of one's sonship. Lest we be illegitimate sons, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 12, verse 8. So this has to do with the backwardly tending perspective that the Christian, dare I say it, experiences still today. You were brought by Yahweh's chastening hand to repentance, faith, and growing up and into your baptism in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There were difficult times in your journeying, just as the Israelites experienced deprivations exposure, dangers, and challenges in their day. 
A good many of my hearers this morning are Greek students who are at the end of their ninth week of instruction. You've been going at it for a while. And if I may say so, you've been chastened and challenged. The Lord God leading you forth every step of the way. And way before Greek, there were pressures and challenges that brought you to seminary that caused you to think of moving here, maybe with a wife and kids, to undergo a new career, a new life. And before that, your baptism into Christ Jesus, you're learning the gospel, you're being raised in a Christian home. You are on a journey heading toward the promised land. But as I said before, the passage also looks ahead to the land beyond this one, to life far after Greek and your stint in the ministry. The passage is particularly rich in touches of amplitude and abundance, of wadis of water, of cataracts roaring through the plains and mountains of Israel, which is fecund. Then all the crops, the wheat and the barley, the vines, the fig trees, and the pomegranates. You should see the word for pomegranate in Hebrew and Greek. A land of the oil of the olive, as the text puts it, and where one eats without poverty. But this description is not restricted to Israel back in Old Testament days. Oh no, it is a picture suggesting the abundance, the fulsomeness of the Christian life, the forgiveness of sins in your baptism each and every day, the food and drink one receives often in the Lord's Supper, the life in Jesus Christ, which is a vast life, pointing in a world to a world without end. You're right, the passage begins with a life in Christ rejoiced in with others in the blessed communion but it is oriented toward heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ who brings us there. One thing I have asked of the Lord, this will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.
O Christ, O Lord, our Father. Hear my prayer, O Lord. In the day of my trouble, I will call upon you. Hide your face from my sins. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Cast me not away from your presence. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because your steadfast love is better than life. For you have been my help. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with my whole heart. And I will glorify your name forever. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad. May those who love your salvation say, Lord, God is Save your people and bless your heritage. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, though we do not deserve your goodness, still you provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant to us your Holy Spirit, that we may acknowledge your gifts, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Almighty God, look with favor upon your people in their calling to serve in Christ's name. Give them courage and patience and strengthen them in their Christian vocation of witnesses to the world and of service to others. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your Son, 
Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.